0: section 39 of revelations of a wife this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org reading by mary rody revelations of a wife by adele garrison chapter 39 harry calls to say goodbye lillian underwood kept her promise to dicky that i should suffer no scar as the result of the burns i received when my dress caught fire on the night of my dinner never a patient had a more faithful nurse than lillian she had a cot placed in my room where she slept at night and she rarely left my side i found my invalidism very pleasant in spite of the pain and inconvenience of my burns everyone was devoted to my comfort. Even Mother Graham's acerbity was softened by the suffering I underwent in the first day or two following the accident, although I soon discovered that she was actually jealous because Lillian, and not she, was nursing me. It is the first time in my life that I have ever found my judgment in nursing set aside as of no value, she said querulously to me one day when she was sitting with me while lillian attended to the preparation of some special dish for me in the kitchen oh mother graham i protested please don't look at it that way you know how careful you have to be about your heart we wouldn't let you undertake the task of nursing me it would have been too much for you well if your own mother were alive i don't believe any could have kept her from taking care of you she returned stubbornly there was a wistful note in her voice that touched and enlightened me beneath all the crustiness of my mother-in-law's disposition there must lie a very real regard i tremulously wondered if i might not call it love for me my heart warmed toward the lonely crabbed old woman as it had never done before. I put out my uninjured hand, clasped hers, and drew her toward me. "'Mother dear,' I said softly, "'please believe me, it would be no different if my own little mother were here. She, of course, would want to take care of me, but her frailness would have made it impossible. And I want you to know that I appreciate all your kindness.' She bent to kiss me i'm a cantankerous old woman sometimes she said quaveringly but i am fond of you margaret she released me so abruptly and went out of the room so quickly that i had no opportunity to answer her but i lay back on my pillows warm with happiness filled with gratitude that in spite of the many controversies in which my husband's mother and i had been involved and the verbal indignities which she had sometimes heaped upon me, we had managed to salvage so much real affection as a basis for our future relations with each other. The reference to my own little mother, which I had made, brought back to me the homesickness, the longing for her which comes over me often, especially when I am not feeling well. When Lillian returned she found me weeping quietly. "'Here, this will never do,' she said kindly but firmly. "'I'm not going to ask you what you were crying about, for I haven't time to listen. "'I must fix you up to see two visitors, but—' "'She forestalled the question I was about to ask. "'Before you see one of them, I must tell you that Harry and I have about come to the parting of the ways.' "'The parting of the ways?' I gasped. "'Harry and you?' Lillian Underwood nodded, as calmly as if she had simply announced a decision to alter a gown or a hat, instead of referring to a separation from her husband. "'It will have to come to that, I'm afraid,' she said, and looking more closely at her, I saw that her calmness was only assumed that humiliation and sadness had her in their grip." i have always feared that when the time came for me to be my honest self instead of a made-up daisy she smiled wearily as she quoted the childish rhyme harry would not be big enough to take it well of course i could and would stand all his unpleasantness concerning my altered appearance but the root of his actions goes deeper than that i'm afraid he dislikes children and I fear that he will object to my having my little girl with me, and if he does—' Her tone spelled finality, but I had no time to bestow upon the probable fate of Harry Underwood. With a glad little cry I drew Lillian down to my bedside and kissed her. "'Oh, Lillian!' I exclaimed. "'Are you really going to have your baby girl after all?' she nodded and i held her close with the little prayer of thanksgiving that fate had finally relented and had given to this woman the desire of her heart so long kept from her i saw now and wondered why i had not realized before the reason for lillian's sudden abandonment of the rouge and powder and dyed hair which she had used so long once she had said to me when my baby comes home, she shall have a mother with a clean face and pepper-and-salt hair, but until that time, I shall play the game with Harry. And so, for Harry's sake, for the man who was not worthy to tie her shoes, she had continued to crucify her real instincts in an effort to hide the worst feminine crime in her husband's calendar, advancing age. When will she come to you? I asked and then with the sudden remembrance of the only conditions under which Lillian's little daughter could be restored to her, I added, Then her father is not dead, but dying, Lillian returned gravely. But, oh, my dear, he sent for me two weeks ago, and acknowledged the terrible wrong he did me. I am vindicated at last, Madge, at last. Her voice broke, and as she laid her cheek against my hand— I felt the happy tears which she must have kept back all through the excitement of my accident. How like her to put by her own greatest experiences as of no consequence when weighed against another's trouble! I kissed her happily. "'Do you feel that you can tell me about it?' I asked. "'You and Dickie are the two people I want most to know,' she returned." Will confessed everything to me, and better still, to his mother. I would have been glad to have spared the poor old woman, for she idolizes her son. But you remember I told you that although she loved me, he had made her believe the vile things he said of me. It was necessary that she should know the truth, if after Will's death I was to have any peace in my child's companionship. Marian loves her grandmother dearly, and the old woman fairly idolizes the child although her feebleness has compelled her to leave most of the care of the child to hired nurses there is where i am going to have my chance with my little girl i never shall separate her from her grandmother while the old woman lives but from the moment she comes to me no hireling's hand shall care for her she shall be mine all mine her voice was a paean of triumphant love my heart thrilled in sympathy with hers but underneath it all i was conscious of a strong desire to have harry underwood reconciled to this new plan of lillian's the calmness with which she had spoken of their parting had not deceived me i knew that lillian's pride already dragged in the dust by her first unhappy marital experience would suffer greatly if she had to acknowledge that her second venture had also failed. I tried to think of some manner in which I could remedy matters. Unconsciously Lillian played directly into my hands. "'But here I am bothering you with all my troubles,' she said, "'when all the time gallant cavaliers wait without, anxious to pay their devoirs.' Her voice was as gay, as unconcerned, as if she had not just been sounding the depths of terrible memories. I paid a silent tribute to her powers of self-discipline, before answering curiously. "'Gallant cavaliers?' I repeated. "'Who are they?' "'Well, Harry is at the door, and Mr. Gordon at the gate,' she returned merrily. "'In other words—' "'Harry is downstairs waiting patiently for me to give him permission to see you, while Mr. Gordon took up quarters at a country inn near here the day after your accident, and has called or telephoned almost hourly since. He begged me this morning to let him know when you would be able to see him. If Harry's call does not tire you, I think I would better phone him to come over.' Lillian, I spoke imperatively, as a sudden recollection flashed through my mind. Was I delirious, or did I hear Mr. Gordon exclaim something very foolish the night of my accident? She looked at me searchingly. He said, My darling, have I found you only to lose you again, she answered. What did he mean? I gasped. "'That he must tell you himself, Madge,' she said gravely, "'for me to guess his meaning would be futile. "'Shall I telephone him to come over, "'and will you see Harry for a moment or two now?' "'Yes, to both questions,' I answered. "'Well, Lady Fair, they haven't made you take the count yet, have they? "'By Jove, you're prettier than ever!' Ushered by Lillian, Harry Underwood came into my room with all his usual breeziness, and stood looking down at me as I lay propped against the pillows Lillian had piled around me. It was the first time I had seen him since the night of our dinner, when, with the wild idea of punishing Dicky for his foolishness regarding elderly Mr. Gordon, I had carried on a rather intense flirtation with Harry Underwood. I had been heartily sorry for and ashamed of the experiment before the dinner was half over, and many times since the accident which interrupted the evening I had wondered, half whimsically, whether my dress catching fire was not a judgment on me. I had deeply dreaded seeing Mr. Underwood again, but as I looked into his eyes I saw nothing but friendly cheeriness and pity. Lillian drew a chair for him to my bedside, and for a few moments he chatted of everything and nothing in the entertaining manner he knows so well how to use. "'You may have just three minutes more, Harry,' Lillian said at last. "'Stay here while I go down to the telephone. Then you will have to vamoose. Mr. Gordon is coming over, and I can't have her too tired.' Her husband gave a low whistle— and I saw a quick look of understanding pass between him and Lillian. I did not have time to wonder about it, however, for Lillian went out of the room, and the moment she closed the door he said tensely, "'Tell me you forgive me. If I had not teased you that night, you would not have moved toward the fire, and your dress would not have caught. Why, you might have been killed or horribly disfigured. I've been suffering the tortures of Hades ever since.' BUT YOU WILL FORGIVE ME, WON'T YOU? I'LL DO ANY PENANCE YOU NAME.' Through all the extravagance of his speech there ran a deeper note than I had believed Harry Underwood to be capable of sounding. As his eyes met mine, I saw that there was something as near suffering in them as the man's self-centred, careless nature was capable of feeling. I saw my opportunity. "'Yes, I'll forgive you.' everything if you'll promise me one thing which will make me very happy he bit his lip savagely i think he guessed my meaning but he did not hesitate name it he said shortly don't hurt lillian any more about the change in her appearance or object to her having her child with her i pleaded he thought a long minute then with a quick gesture he caught my uninjured hand in his carried it to his lips and kissed it then laid it gently back upon the bed again done he said gruffly it won't bother me much for a while anyway your friend gordon wants me to go with him on a long trip to south america I'm the original white-haired boy with him just now, for some reason or other, and it's just the chance I have wanted to look up the theatrical situation down there. Perhaps I can persuade the old boy to loosen up on some of his bankroll and play Angel. But anyway, I'm going to be gone quite a stretch, and when I come back I'll try to be a reformed character. But remember, wherever I am, me art is true to Paul.' He bowed mockingly with his old manner, and walked toward the door, meeting Lillian as she came in. "'So long, Lil,' he said carelessly. "'I'm going for a long walk. See you later.' She looked at him searchingly. "'All right,' she answered laconically, and then came over to me. "'Mr. Gordon will be here in a half-hour,' she said. "'Please try to rest a little before he comes.' She lowered the shades and my pillows, kissed me gently, and left the room. But I could neither rest nor sleep. The wildest conjectures went through my brain. Who was Robert Gordon, and why was he so strangely interested in me? End of chapter 39